another episode of Live Planted. I'm your host, Alyssa. If you're new around here, Live Planted is all about living a practical, sustainable, vegan, and kind life. There is no one right way to live this lifestyle, which is why I try to bring you different perspectives, different guests every single week. There's a new episode every single Tuesday. Some you will hear solo episodes with me talking about one topic in depth. Other times we're interviewing someone, hearing their point of view, how they live their lifestyle, and what tips and tricks they can share. Today's episode is made possible by Osea Malibu, the original plant-based, results-driven skincare line. So today on the show, we have Kitty Cotton. She has been requested by quite a few of you, and she has also been on my list to ask on the show for quite a while. She's a YouTuber, she's a vegan, she's a mother, and she lives in a dual household, which I'm using that term for she is vegan, her husband is not. A lot of people ask about how to make that work, so I thought she would be great to talk to. We talk about living minimally, how motherhood has affected her minimalism and veganism, and she's really about a sustainable wardrobe, and you will hear all of that in today's episode. I also wanted to touch on the fact that things have been a little sporadic around here. So if you've noticed, I haven't been posting much on Instagram. I hope to get back to that soon. And there wasn't a podcast last week. I've been working on a really big project. I can't quite talk about it yet, but I do have a big project in the works and it's been taking up most of my time. So you will be hearing about it shortly. In the meantime, things will still be a little sporadic. I hope to be posting a lot more on Instagram, like I said, because I love talking with you guys over on Instagram and I honestly have barely even been on the app, which is so weird because I love interacting and just sharing things and seeing what other people are sharing. So I've really missed that in the time that I've taken off. So I will be back over there soon and the show might be a little out of whack for the next few weeks, but then we will be back on track every single Tuesday. I try not to miss. This big project is taking up a lot of my time. So I just wanted to let you guys know the show isn't being discontinued. I have not lost interest. There is just another project in the works that is upcoming. Before we get into today's interview, you guys know that Osea Malibu supports the podcast a lot. They are the only skincare line that I use and trust. They are zero waste, they are vegan, they are packaged sustainably in glass, and they come to you without any plastic. Osea puts your health and the health of our planet first with potent skincare solutions that are pure, safe, and effective. Formulated with all skin concerns in mind, Osea makes products infused with sustainably sourced organic Patagonian seaweed and active botanicals. I actually had the creator of Osea, Jen, on the podcast quite a few episodes ago, and you can hear all about the seaweed that they harvest and how they harvest it sustainably. It's a very interesting backstory. Nutrient-dense and mineral-rich bioavailable seaweed allows products to easily absorb into the skin and effectively target multiple skin concerns. Osea can help reveal and illuminate your natural radiance, whether you're looking for hydration, oil balancing, anti-aging, or blemish solutions. I can attest to this, when I started using Osea, I was having a really bad allergic reaction on my face from some other products, and I could not solve it. I was actually using a steroid, 
And I wanted to obviously get off the steroid and I got on to Osea products and that's the only thing I found that helped out this continuing ongoing allergic reaction I was having. I stopped having it as soon as I started using Osea. Every product is sustainably packaged, non-toxic, cruelty-free, vegan, and made with love in California. For $10 off your first purchase of 50 or more, go to oseamalibu.com slash liveplanted, which I will have a link in the description, and use code liveplanted10 to redeem your offer. Again, that's liveplanted10 for $10 off your first purchase of 50 or more. Thank you so much to Osea for their ongoing support because I love them as a product, so I love sharing them with you. All right, let's get into Kitty's interview. Kitty Cotton is a vegan mama from Minneapolis, Minnesota. She lives by the motto, live simple, enjoy life, and is sharing her minimalist approach to life on her self-titled YouTube channel. She strives to live a more conscious, sustainable life filled with life and not stuff. She's been thrifting, renovating, and sharing her vegan eats online for the past few years. Welcome to the show, Kitty. Hi, thanks for having me. So we've had a few requests for you to be a guest on the show, but for those who don't know you, can you give a little background? Sure. So I have a YouTube channel, like you said, so that is kind of like my main platform, but I also have a blog and Instagram and stuff. But my main focus really is to share my life and my approach to simple living, which has then kind of snowballed into learning more about sustainability, especially after I went vegan and like plant-based. So just, you know, kind of sharing a practical real life approach to simple living and sustainability and living essentially like a plant-based vegan type of lifestyle. So let's talk about your veganism because you've been vegan since 2015 and you were vegetarian previously. A lot of people can relate to the fact that you live in sort of a dual household where you're vegan and your husband is not. How do you make that work? You know, I am super lucky and my husband is like incredibly understanding. We started dating when I was like 19 in college. So he knew me well before even being vegetarian or vegan. So it's kind of evolved and he's watched the like evolution of it, but he's always been super respectful of it and always been a really big support to me, even though he doesn't choose to personally eat a like plant-based vegan lifestyle. He likes to joke that he's like a flexitarian (laughs) because at home, I do most of the cooking and he eats whatever I make and he enjoys it. And, you know, oftentimes he like almost slightly like bragged to friends and family that he is like, quote unquote, a flexitarian. You know, there's just a lot of like common respect there. And then I've also kind of through the journey of going plant-based or like vegetarian to like being vegan plant-based i've kind of like shared a little bit of like or like talked openly with him about like why i want to and you know really kind of share like tidbits of things that i've learned that made me feel passionate about the lifestyle change so it wasn't just like well what the heck are you doing now kitty Mm -hmm. (laughs) i like that you say you share why because sometimes we do research on our own and we forget that the other person in our life or our friends or our family didn't do that same research they didn't watch all the documentaries they didn't scroll on their phone the same time you were and absorb all that information and sometimes it just takes being open and communicating which can be difficult but just Mm -hmm. communicating and being open about it makes it a lot easier easier. Yeah. And I think if you do it in like a less of like a pushy way, like you should do this and talk more in a way of like, 
I learned this and I thought this was really interesting. It can come off less like judgmental and then it's like often received better on the other end from people who don't know that much about maybe like vegan or plant-based or haven't watched the documentary or whatever it is that kind of sparked some interest for that person into learning about like veganism and just sharing it in like a genuine conversation where you just are sharing like the information that you learned and less of like well you should be doing this because I learned this I think really helps too Mm -hmm. people feel a lot less defensive that way right exactly so let's talk about sustainable and ethical wardrobes something you're really passionate about why did you choose to give up fast fashion So at the beginning of the year, I just felt like kind of a little, I don't know, I just felt like maybe my desire to shop and consume fashion was a little too consuming for me in a way. Felt like I was just kind of like falling into this consumption trap. I had started a capsule wardrobe a couple of years prior and was more focused on just like learning to live with less and less about the story and history and source of the clothes were. And I feel like as I learned more about that, which is kind of often tied to the capsule wardrobe movement, I just felt like inspired that like I could do this. I could, you know, really give up a lot of fast fashion and try to live more sustainably and buy a lot of secondhand clothes and see if I could almost challenge myself to rethink my consumerism uh, mindset in the sense of like fast fashion and consuming fast fashion and, and kind of see if I could reshape that and challenge myself to giving it up. And can you explain what a capsule wardrobe is? Because you offer some help around capsule wardrobes, correct? Yeah, I have a course on how to build a capsule wardrobe. It's like six steps. Building a capsule wardrobe isn't a very complicated thing, but sometimes it can be hard when people go from like a really big closet full of clothes to a much more pared down wardrobe, it can feel really intimidating. Like how could I possibly, you know, live on 30 pieces or 40 pieces or 20 pieces? Um, Usually a capsule wardrobe kind of falls somewhere around like 30, 35 pieces, I think is kind of the norm. But essentially what a capsule wardrobe is, is a small set of items in your wardrobe, including all of your clothes and shoes, usually is what's included in a capsule and limiting to that to a small bunch of clothes or like cluster of clothes, maybe like 30-ish pieces that you would wear for a single season. And you repeat that each season as you kind of go through the year, especially depending on your location. I live in Minnesota, so we have the full four seasons here. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so it's essentially just learning to, you know, downsize your closet and live on a small set of pieces that you can mix and match to create almost like an endless amount of outfits in a given season. And then a lot of times that's paired with giving up shopping during that period of your capsule. And you kind of uh, do like a spending freeze until you come to the next season and you start to kind of build out your capsule for the next season. And it's not about like buying new stuff each season, but kind of like remixing your wardrobe, pulling things out of storage that are maybe winter pieces, coming fall, winter time, and kind of adding those in. And then thinking really strategically about what you need and want to add then to your fall like capsule for example when people start with a capsule wardrobe or start thinking about it or start thinking about sustainable closets in general many people feel overwhelmed and feel like it could be an investment where do you Mm -hmm. suggest people start 
I think just starting to build a smaller wardrobe. I think a lot of people are surprised how many outfits you can make out of classic pieces. And if you look at your wardrobe, a lot of times if you have a big wardrobe, for example, I used to have like a humongous wardrobe outside of college. I was like super into fast fashion that like, you know, almost disposable wardrobe in a way where like at least half the things in my wardrobe, I maybe wore once or twice before I was kind of tired of them. So I think when you look at your wardrobe and you see a bunch of pieces, you think you obviously have way more options and can make way more outfits out of it. But I find a lot of times people tend to wear a lot of the same things over and over. So I think sometimes people actually have been making or using a small section of your wardrobe and almost have been (laughs) modeling that capsule and not even knowing it necessarily that those extra items in their wardrobe make them feel like they have a bunch of options but oftentimes we kind of stay within what we really like and fits well and we're comfortable in and oftentimes that's that's like half of our wardrobe yeah a lot of times if you're thinking about making the switch to a sustainable wardrobe or sustainable living in general just paying attention to your practices like you said Mm -hmm. if you have a large wardrobe and then you're only wearing certain things I've heard of people who like flip the hangers around when they wear things and then you can see what am I actually using here okay I haven't even pulled this out in months do I even need it just makes you take account of what you're using and how you're consuming things Absolutely. I think sometimes we want to have like these big closets and that's like goals, like (laughs) goals, these like amazing closets. But a lot of times, you know, that statement dress you maybe wear once a year and most of your wardrobe that you wear on a daily basis is probably only like half of what's actually in that big closet, if not like a third or a fourth, depending on the like size of the closet. And I, so I think that people maybe feel intimidated by downsizing their wardrobe, that they're going to be limiting their options. But I think that that is almost the complete opposite of it, because when you narrow down your wardrobe, you think more creatively and strategically about what is in there and then how it can work with everything else. And I feel like you downsize the number of things, but it it feels often to me that you like multiply your outfit options. Mm -hmm, For sure. So your motto is live simply, enjoy life. What does that Mm -hmm. mean to you? To me, I think that living simply is just living within your means and living a life that suits you. The less I have found in like downsizing my possessions, and I don't live in like a tiny house, but we live like in a smaller home, that just living with less has really made me happier emotionally, mentally, and it just has like opened up my time and life for other things that I actually enjoy doing and I'm not having to spend time or too much time like maintaining the stuff that I own. So the simpler I live, the more life I'm able to enjoy and I'm not spending so much time on maintaining my stuff or like taking care of my stuff. Speaking of minimalism is something Mm -hmm. you share often and you describe it as evolving into minimalism, which I think is really smart because we're never really quite at a destination. Mm -hmm. When did it hit you that you wanted to live more minimally? 
So my husband and I used to live in a duplex before buying our house. And we had all of these, like, it was like a 1920s duplex. And so it was, had all these really amazing built-ins. And I had like kind of acquired a lot of like cool knickknacky, thrifted type of stuff. And in packing up our, what I thought was a very small house, like, or, you know, it's just a duplex. It's like a two bedroom. And realizing how much stuff I had that like, I just was there for decoration or just stuff I had in general, kind of like stuck into all of these like small little corners and things. I was like, why do I own all of this stuff? I now have to like, put every single piece into a box and move it to another house and then take all of those out and find homes for them. And I was like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't need all this stuff. And it was kind of like at that point, like a, a light bulb that this was our first home and I didn't want to just clutter it with things. And then also our house that we live in, it's like a 1950s house. So there is not those built-ins. And I was confronted with a uh, well, what do I do with all these things? I don't have the surfaces anymore to put them on. It was kind of like this light bulb moment of like, why do I even own all of these things? And then I started like questioning everything um, <laughs> that I owned. And then the vehicle for it was definitely moving is what kind of sparked that. So once you became more minimalist, did you find it easy to stay on that track and not sort of veer off into knickknacky thrift store purchases again? Because that can be so easy when you're in there and you're like, oh, I could just picture this at my next dinner party. Meanwhile, when have I ever thrown a dinner party? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I know having, you know, I think for me, it's been a lot of, like I said, I don't have the surfaces to put them on. I pared down my furniture a bunch and I'm not going to buy something to put something on, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like It just didn't make sense in my head. So limiting literally the places I could put things helped. But also we have like a, a small kitchen and like I only have so much room for so many things in that kitchen and everything to me, it just, it has to have a spot. It has to have like a very defined spot in our cabinets. So I was limited essentially in space, but I don't have anywhere to put these extra things. And kind of changing my mindset when I was, you know, out thrifting, you know, either going with like a list or just literally looking at it and being like, I can appreciate this is very cute, but I don't need to like bring it into my life. So about a year and a half ago, you became a mother for the first time. Mm-hmm. How does minimalism, veganism and sustainable choices transfer into motherhood? Yeah, it's a big change. <laughs> Having a kid like changes so much in your life from literally like the amount of space that I once had in my house. It's like, it it feels like it gets cut in half because you're making room for like a little one. What was our guest room became Harriet's room. You really, I think, reevaluate what's important to you and your life. And to me, it's just, you know, spending time with Harriet, obviously, and like quality time is totally my love language Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so making room for her and then really thinking about bringing things into my life and Harriet's life that like actually adds value and isn't like something that I feel like I am supposed to have because it's a baby thing she doesn't need like a million clothes she really just needs this you know a handful almost like a baby capsule (laughs) wardrobe (laughs) And, you know, just really thinking hard about, do I actually need this? Does Harriet actually need this? Really helps to kind of keep the things simple 
and minimal in our home. And like I said, I just, I am somebody who's like, I have to have like a very defined organization to my house. It's like how I thrive is to have things and then definitely have like set spots for them. I just find that if I keep my things to a minimum, I'm not like shuffling piles or things around my home. And that is better for my mental health, which makes me a better mom. And I'm able to enjoy my time with my daughter and family. There's a lot of fear marketing around babies and children, specifically things, things you need, things they're telling you you need. And sometimes it feels like you need to have X, Y, or Z to keep your baby safe. Like there's so much marketing around that. Was there a tool that you used to check yourself and be like, do I actually need this? Or was it just questioning every purchase? I think it is so like hard with baby stuff, especially now. I mean, you even talk to like moms who had kids five years ago and there's like, they're like, there's just so much more stuff out there that they have for kids. And you feel this need to like almost have it all because you want to give your kid the best Mm -hmm. life and all that kind of stuff. For me, it was thinking really, really strategically about what I introduced, things that would either, you know, serve multiple purposes, but a lot of times I do this with all of my purchases or most of my purchases is doing like just even a 24 hour rule. Sometimes you can like see something online and be like, I have to have that. If you wait like 24 hours, oftentimes you've forgotten about it. But also I tried to wait as long as I could before buying things outside of some real basic things for her, like clothes and stuff. So I tried to wait until she was like actually born. I got just a few things that I thought would be total essentials, like right off the bat and just tried to see if I could, you know, just wait longer to buy certain things. And I think that that helps because a lot of times you realize, oh, I probably didn't need that. Or even the other day I looked at my old registry for, I don't even remember why I was looking at it. And I was like, God, I'm so glad I didn't get half these things on there. And I didn't even feel like I had a big registry, but I think it's hard to know what you need beforehand. And as a first time mom, you just want to be prepared. (laughs) And that doesn't always mean you need more stuff. It's making sure you have a good support system around you and, you know, just getting yourself mentally prepped and creating that like circle of people to help you, I think is more important than the stuff. And I know that you have a blog post putting all your baby essentials, and I think you have a YouTube video on it as well. Mm -hmm. So I will link those for anybody who's interested. And I love how you said the 24-hour rule, because I've done that for years, but I never had a name for it. Very simple name. But that's so (laughs) smart, because sometimes if you think about like even just your Amazon, like cart. I'll put stuff in there all the time. And then I'm like, "Mm, I get distracted. I do something else. You come back and you're like, what is this? Why is this in here? But I was told I was about to order it. Exactly. Like I've started putting things into like wish lists on Mm -hmm. Amazon. And I find that that helps me because then I like don't have to go and search for it again. And it doesn't have to like haunt me looking at me as like two things in my shopping cart on Amazon. <laughs> so like I'll put in a wish list and then I can kind of reference it and be like, yeah, actually I don't need that. I thought I didn't buy that or something like that. And I can just delete it from the wish list. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that definitely helps doing that like 24 hour rule. It's actually kind of amazing how many times you f- completely forget what you put into a quote unquote shopping cart or, or thought you like had to have. 
Oh, yeah. I do it with my Pinterest as well. Sometimes I'll pin things and be like, I definitely need this eco-friendly, cruelty-free mascara or whatever. Right. And then I come back and I'm like, what is this brand? What? Did, why did I want it? Who told me about <laughs> <Yep>. it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so to finish it off, I wanted to touch on your pregnancy because I know why you were pregnant. You talked a lot about gentle birth and how you wanted to come from a place of positivity. And I think a lot of people haven't heard this sort of mentality. And whether you have kids, are planning on having kids, never planning on having kids, I think that this positive mindset is so important to hear about. Can you expand upon your thoughts around this? Yeah. So one of my sister's friends had a baby and suggested this like term or like a birthing style called hypnobirthing. Had never heard of it before. It kind of sounded a little like hokey to me I was like what is this and then the more I learned about it I was like okay this makes a lot of sense and so when I became or was pregnant I was looking at like birthing classes that you could take and I found a hypnobirthing class and like told my husband Joel so I want to do a hypnobirthing class versus maybe Mm -hmm. your traditional class and he was like Kitty what are we going (laughs) what are you getting me into right now but like I said he's very like supportive and he's like okay you've done your research all right cool we'll go like pretty much he was just like the pregnant lady wins out here yeah (laughs) And, uh, and so we went and I really really resonated with the whole hypnobirthing mantra which is just having like you know trusting your body trusting your baby and having essentially like a peaceful birth that having a birth doesn't have to be traumatic and it doesn't have to be scary and it doesn't have to be I mean it is difficult but like it doesn't have to have so much like negative connotations with it and through this class that I took over or we took over a couple of months I learned about like how often people when you like tell somebody you're pregnant or you obviously look pregnant they want to tell you like their birth horror story mm-hmm. and so we like have this whole culture around birth that it's like traumatic it's intense it's terrible I mean even if you think about so many Hollywood quote-unquote births on screen even like knocked up the movie knocked up Mm -hmm. like she's literally just screaming through the whole thing and so I feel like a lot of times we have this preconceived notion that it's like this really intense terrifying scary thing and it doesn't have to be that there is a way to have a baby that's peaceful calm and positive and I think that that was kind of eye-opening to me and just really really resonated to me and just felt like the right thing for like my pregnancy my birth like my body and baby I think it's transferable to so many things in life that there's so much fear around, whether it's birth or switching your lifestyle, making different choices in life, that you can trust yourself and you can (laughs) take a positive spin on it. I just think so many people haven't heard that point of view, especially about birth. Mm -hmm. I heard a couple talking the other day who just had a new baby and the husband said like, I didn't know what to expect. I thought that you were going to like hit me and be mad at me the whole time during it. And I was like, that's right? so crazy to like that you've watched so many movies and you see people yelling at their spouses and being sort of like out of control because they just feel so horrible. And it's right. such a scary experience. Yeah. Or even like, you know, the whole concept of birth. I mean, I, I watched the documentary, like the business of being born mm-hmm. and that kind of like also kind of snowballed a little uh, some things for me. But it's a private event, which makes 
sense, um, but it's not something we like openly talk about in the sense of the positive aspects of it. I think we are so quick to jump into our like big traumatic story and not just share like the positives, those types of aspects around birth. So I think that a lot of times that's all we hear, whether it's from, you know, literally like TV shows or movies or something like that, but also like the people in our life. I feel like the, the more traumatic their experience was, the pe- more vocal people are about that and it's almost like a like a badge of this was so difficult like hear my story it's not to say that like birth isn't difficult and everything like that but it just it doesn't have to always be that big screaming hitting or whatever you see in the movies Mm -hmm. event and it can be a, a much more peaceful positive situation or you know event It definitely says something about our culture that we would rather share a big dramatic scene because everybody Mm -hmm. loves a little drama rather than being like, it was great. I feel like I just transitioned and we had such a bond and a connection right right away. You know, like people just roll their eyes at that almost. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like, sure it was. Like, I think you're lying to me. You know, like you have this instant like, yeah, I I don't know if that's actually true. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, Kitty, if people want to find you on the internet, where can they find you? They can find me um, on YouTube. My name is Kitty Cotton on YouTube. Um, My blog is kittycotton.com. And then my Instagram is also Kitty Cotton. So I kept it pretty simple. (laughs) But it's uh, Kitty and then Cotton is C-O-T-T-E-N. I will have everything linked. So if you want to go find Kitty and I will have a couple of videos that go with topics we were talking about because she has a lot of great in-depth videos on a lot of these topics. So I will have those linked as well. Thank you so much for having me. All right, that's it. That's everything for today. Thank you guys for sticking by, for sending me messages. A lot of you have sent me messages like, where have you been? And thank you for sticking by, for telling me how much you love Tuesdays when the episodes come out. It means a lot to me and it helps me push through on this big project I'm working on so I can come and work on my regular stuff that I really enjoy doing for you guys. I have a couple topics coming up. I cannot guarantee an episode next week, but I am crossing my fingers. We will have one. So hopefully we should be back to normal soon. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening today and remember to live planted. Bye guys.